0: I'm really excited to be sharing this particular piece of scripture um, in the series with you because I did a lot of reading around this passage as it had much depth to it. And you could actually preach about four sermons out of this little piece. And I have to attribute a lot of my reading to Melissa Doherty, N.T. Wright, my favorite theologian at the moment, and Gary Berg. Um, So I hope you're going to hear God's heart tonight and my heart as we look at it. So let's just get straight into it, shall we? So 1 John 4, 1 to 6. Now I'm going to read it. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false spirits have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of falsehood. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to to be together tonight as we take some steps into unpacking scripture. Open our ears, our eyes, but most of all our hearts to what it is that you would have say to us tonight. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you gently touch our souls, both in this room and online, drawing out what you need us to see, deal with and heal. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, well if you've been listening to um, the previous sermons as we've journeyed through 1 John, um, you'll know that the scripture is a bit of an insert in what is really a book about love, and it's bringing light into the darkness. So because although this particular scripture, as we've just read, seems like heavy stuff, um, all of these conversations and warnings are actually being talked about in love, So let's keep that in mind as I go through this talk tonight, Okay? For a long time, I thought the scripture was actually a bit confusing. Um, And I know a lot of people look at the Bible in bits. They pick out verses on an individual basis, and then they try and make a life application out of it. I've done it. Um, But that's that's just not how the Bible is written. It's not like a fortune cookie. And you can't just open it up, take a verse, and take the meaning out of the context that it was written. And um, there are actually no verses in the Bible that were written on their own. There are no, um, and all the books were written as letters. These letters were written as poetry or songs, like psalms, or it was written to a certain people or a certain group, okay? Okay. So when John wrote this letter, he just didn't add this particular scripture in there because he forgot something. And that's why here at BBC, we often preach our series through a particular book um, of the Bible so that whenever we read it, as it's written, we understand its context so much better. So tonight, we're going to break down the verses. It's called exegetical teaching, and we're going to see what they mean. And hopefully this is going to help us understand its context, what its context was at that time and how it relates to us and how today we can test the spirits. As we heard from Rob at the beginning um, of the series, this book was written to assure people of their salvation. And John knew these people that he was writing to in First John. And you can tell because he uses words like, Beloved, dear friends. And, um, and you could tell that he really, really loved these people. And these verses were also written to help these people understand and protect them from some terrible teaching that was getting going on in the church at the time. And the main era they were teaching was false prophets and what we call Gnosticism. Who's heard of Gnosticism? Yeah, a few of you. Okay. Gnosticism. Is, um, it's actually more of a philosophical view rather than a religious view. So I'm going to explain it a little bit. And it's basically saying that everything you see and everything that is material, the chairs you're sitting on, our bodies, everything is evil. And that everything spiritual is good. And it believes that gaining Gnosis, which is knowledge, can wake us up to a very spiritual, special state. And some other things about Gnosticism was that they believed the only way to salvation was discovering the secrets of the universe. Good luck to that. They also believed that only those who were special knew the truth which if you think about it actually doesn't really make sense because the Bible actually says that we are to proclaim the gospel to everyone, doesn't it? Some Gnostics also believed in transmigration of souls, which is a big word, but it's like a version of reincarnation where your soul moves from your body into another body, And the Hindus believe it can even be ants and animals. Um, And you live another life. You get a second chance, in other words. And if you were bad, you end up as an ant. But anyway, um, this is a teaching that was being taught at that time. And it really messed with everyone's heads because it gave a really distorted view of Jesus. It was a really big problem in the early church. And believe it or not, it's actually still a really big problem today. Um, one of the era teachings was that Jesus was not a man at all. He was all spirit, kind of like a ghost, and only partly divine. So, to explain this, I'm actually going to ve- jump to verse two, first off, okay? And it says this This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay. True prophecy and true teaching will result in a true Jesus. John here is addressing the Gnostic teaching that Jesus was actually God, but not man. Like I said, a ghost. And it's actually kind of weird because it's the opposite problem of what we actually have today. People say nowadays that Jesus was just a man. Um, A lot of religions say that, and... I remember that I said that everything that was materialistic or of matter was evil. Well, back then they believed he was all God, all spirit, but there was no way that he came in the flesh because the flesh is materialistic. The flesh doesn't matter. It's impure, it's dirty. So according to them, there's no way God could have come as, come as a man. But as Christians, we believe that Jesus is totally God and totally man. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Wow. This actually implies that there are spirits that are not to be trusted. The word in the Greek here, and I think I heard Rob preach it a number of weeks ago on a Sunday morning, and the word here is pneuma, pneuma, yeah, P-N-E-U-M-A, and it means like a breath or a wind. It's the same word used for both the Holy Spirit and a false spirit. In other words, it's a spirit that has a will and an intent of some sort. John's also saying that we shouldn't assume that every experience that is spiritual or paranormal is necessarily from God. So let me give you an example. When I was a teenager, a bunch of my mates and older brothers and sisters, um, we decided to do a seance with a Ouija board. We thought it was a huge joke and, and we did it just for fun. It's where you have this cup and these letters around on this board and an alphabet around in a circle, and you put your fingers on the cup and then, you know, you ask the spirit something and you move it. Well, most of the time, you know, people move it. Um, But we asked the question if the spirits, and we asked it before we put our hands on the cup, and we asked the question if the spirits were real. And darn it, that cup moved. But get this, it actually moved on its own. We didn't have our fingers on it. And our hair stood on end because we all felt it. This electric feeling, and it didn't feel good. As it moved to the letter Y, my brother let out this almighty scream, got up and ran out of the room, holding his arm and shaking it. It had gone, actually, completely numb. And it took a long time for feeling to come back into his arm. He was still he was blubbering by this time. And my mother gave us absolutely bobsy die. It's an old word, but that's the only way I can describe it. Big time, when she came running down to see what the screaming was all about, she grabbed that Ouija board and she burnt it. The feeling we experienced was scary though, and my brother told us after that he felt very a, a really strong presence standing next to him, squeezing his arm. The spirits that we were seeking to connect with were definitely not from God and I want you to hear that. I believe that there are three sources that people can get spiritual information from. first, is the dark side, Satan and his demons. And second is ourselves, our own minds, when we think we're hearing from God, but we're not. And third, actually that often comes, um, it's more likely from out of our own hurts or our own agendas or our thoughts. But the third source, of course, is the Holy Spirit. So if somebody is speaking with spiritual authority, it comes from either one of those three sources, which really comes down to two, because the one coming from us is not from God, right? It means that every spiritual truth we might have experience with is either from a divine source of good or a source of evil. But get this, if it contradicts what it says in Scripture, it's always From evil. It has to be in harmony with the rest of Scripture, the whole Bible, not just bits and pieces. And from that experience, I remember being um, really enchanted by uh, spiritual experiences. And I got caught up in in what we called in those days the New Age. Um, A lot of you young ones probably won't even know that term, but. In those days, the New Age movement was a kind of a spiritual belief and a way of life and, again, is not an organised religion. It's sort of the same as Gnosticism and it's more of a philosophy. But the New Age movement believed in um, religious pluralism, which is um, that people are free to be able to decide what they believe and how they um, use it in their lives. And it can include all kinds of things, including witchcraft. And that there were actually really good witches, white witches, I think they called them. And it was around more in the 70s and 80s, so that kind of indicates how old I am. Anyway, (laughs) I'd been brought up a Catholic. And I knew there was God and that he was real. But to me, he seemed like this big, scary dude pointing his finger from heaven and punishing me whenever I did wrong by having to say 20 Hail Marys and four Our Father prayers. I wanted more, I wanted to have that rush and that feeling and and it didn't even occur to me that it could be evil or wrong because it felt good initially and it felt true. Now I wanna state this, feelings are real but they're not necessarily true, okay? So remember that statement, Feelings are real, but not necessarily true. I never thought to question that, and it never crossed my mind, because why would I test or question this when I felt it was from God? I thought this was a movement of truth, and that I was gaining universal knowledge, and I was special. (laughs) I was blessed, though, because... um, And I, I think it was because I knew that God was real in the first place, And I believe he protected me from the worst and in the end helped me really see through different experiences what was good and what was evil. Now the second part of verse one says, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So we now know that there are many false spirits. But I want to go to 2 Corinthians 11.4 and it reads like this. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Well, first, this shows that it is possible to receive a different spirit from the one that is from God. And second, Paul is saying that you're putting up with it. This isn't just about Christians. This is about anyone dabbling in things that we shouldn't dabble in. Like the New Age, the Bible calls it divination. So what's divination? Now again, another big word. But it's, it's doing stuff like going to um, spiritual mediums, palm reading, seances, tea leaf reading, light and energy alchemists or activists, um, crystals, tarot card reading, astrology reading, reiki healing, chakras, and there's a whole myriad of other stuff as well. But all of it is pure deception. And guys, it is so, so subtle and very real. Okay, so I'm gonna take you into the book of Acts 16 now. Acts 16, 16, Um, and it's about a little girl who had the spirit of divination. Once we were going to the place of prayer, and this is Paul talking, um, and uh, he wrote the book of Acts. So once when we were going to this place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. A bit confusing. You know, it's interesting to see that the spirit that was in her was actually speaking truth. But it wasn't a godly spirit. It was a demonic one. And spirits can speak truth. You know, you've heard the saying, 95% truth and 5% error. It's like gossip. That is how the demonic realm gets you sucked in. Guys, I really want you to hear this. The demonic realm's end game is to deceive you. The demonic realm. End game is to deceive you, to suck you in so eventually you don't know which way is up and you end up really, really confused. But look at the scripture. Even though this girl was speaking what looked like truth, the apostles knew. They discerned. So how? How did they know? How did they they get this? It actually has a lot to do with who they knew God to be. In other words, this girl was using divination or fortune telling, which is outside the boundaries of how God actually works. They looked at her life, what her owners were using her for, and they knew. And it's called discernment. So, how do we measure this ourselves? Um, how do we how do we know what discernment is? How do we how do we test the spirits? 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says this, if we can move that. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So it's saying we must test ourselves. The definition of the word test is And listen to this. It's a procedure intended to establish the quality, performance, or reliability of something, especially before it is taken into widespread use. We must make sure of what we believe before we spread it. The best way for a follower of Christ is to make sure of what they believe is through Scripture. God will never reveal something outside of the nature of what he's already revealed in truth. And the Bible is our main source of truth. The Bible is a complete, compiled collection of truth inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we test it against scripture. And what does that mean? Yep, you've got to know it. You've got to know the Bible. And how do you do that? You read it. You soak in it. You pray about it. Guys, the Bible is alive. It will change you. It will transform you. And guess what? It is a spiritual weapon. Paul likens it to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God in Ephesians 6. If you don't believe me, read it. (laughs) It cuts like a two-edged sword. And the more you're in this, the more you get to know the will and the ways of God. Another way that we can look at what we're being taught and what we're experiencing is you've got to ask the question, who does it glorify? Does it glorify me, does it glorify man, or does it glorify God? Too often, sadly, I hear people on a platform of some sort, you know, stating all the great things they have done. And if you have preachers leaving out Jesus when they speak, run, I mean it, run. Let's take a look at um, verse 3 now. 1 John 4.3 says, But every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus is from God, this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Okay, so let's go back to the girl, um, the one who had the spirit of di- divination. To confess Jesus Christ... Is different to saying you believe in Jesus. The word here that is in the Greek that is used it means to profess, to acknowledge, to avow, to own or admit as true um, and to come into full agreement with. It's actually about endorsing it completely. John is saying here that many people will say they believe in Jesus but will not confess he is Lord. Confess is a verb. It's a, it's a doing word, an action word. And it, it only, it, it's not about what we do, it's not about what we say, but it's actually also about what we do. It's, it's, it really is an action word and our life will show the fruits of what we believe in. So in this case, in this context of the first century Christians who were having trouble with Gnosticism, they knew that if someone couldn't confess this, they knew that their words had to have come from a false spirit. So you get what I'm saying? To confess Jesus means that you come into alignment with what the word of God says about him. Now, some cults or religions can also express the deity or the trinity of God. Um, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. We just sang about that before. You know, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. And, um, but that doesn't mean that they are actually confessing Jesus. Even the demons know about the Trinity. It's about confessing him as Lord over your life as well. Okay, so we're going to go to verses 4 and 5 now. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. Man, don't we see this today? You know, in our politics, in our education system, and, and in, in heaps of other religions. And here's John talking to this group of people that he absolutely loves. And when he refers to the word as them, he's referring to the false spirits and false teachers. So the spirit that is anti-Jesus is more like the world than it is the word. It might proclaim Jesus and might even speak some of his truth, but it will always point you away from the scriptures and point you towards outside resources that will identify more with a false Jesus than a true one. And it certainly won't glorify God. The world, the world, (laughs) what is the world? It's the voices that will give you what you want. And they'll tell you what you want to hear, and you'll end up compromising your life. And what is so I'm going to ask you, what are the voices that you're listening to? Who and what is tickling your ears? It's a voice that will say, oh, it's okay to gossip because you feel justified and you're hurt. Or you listen to all the different voices on the internet, like um, the social influences. And what about the friends that you listen to? Or even family members, dare I say. And people who educate us. Yes, even some preachers, sadly to say. If they're pulling you away from the church, and that's the Christ body of people and away from God, Shut those voices down. Actually, I wonder, you know, right now, is the Holy Spirit bringing some stuff out of your rubbish bin right now? Is it bringing something up? Are you, is your conscience bringing something that you might have buried deep? And, and it's just niggling there. I am going to say to you, don't be afraid of it. Bring it to the light because the light is love. Okay, so let's move on to the final verse. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Okay, so we see two things. We've got the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The us is the children of God. The spirit of truth and God wrote the Bible. The spirit of truth is revealed in the apostles' teaching in the New Testament. They wrote these things under the inspiration of God himself. So the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, wrote the Bible, and it's authoritative for discerning spiritual truths and spiritual error. Okay? So to test, and before you accept any spiritual teaching, be sure of their view on Christ. Their view of salvation and their view of scripture and their moral fruit. There's four things there. Do they acknowledge a biblical view of the Christology, which is the biblical view of Jesus? Do they reflect a life that shows that they are a child of God? Or are they living a life that is more conformed to this world? And do they submit to the word of God? Or do they submit to their experiences and submit to what is popular? These are the things that you're to look out for whenever you're hearing any spiritual truths, because remember, it's going to come from one of two places. To test that source is to hold it against the light of Scripture and Jesus' identity, compare it to what you've seen in the world, to what you see in the Bible. And also, just because somebody can claim that Jesus has come into the flesh doesn't mean that they are actually a follower of Jesus. There are a lot of people out there, especially on the internet, remember, that is expounding all kinds of crazy things. But for you, it's about knowing who Jesus is and your identity in him. Oh, guys. Um... Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know how much that you are actually so loved by him? Embraced by him and accepted by him? Is your identity really in him? It's actually a really good question to ask and check yourself with constantly. That's another sermon anyway. So there are four things that you do to test, remember? You listen to what they are saying and teaching. You compare it to scripture. You look at their moral feud and their view of Christ and their idea of salvation. Okay, so you got that? This is what discernment is. Now, all Christians have discernment to some degree. But people who know scripture and know it well have a tendency to actually be able to spot counterfeit spirit or counterfeit teaching a lot more easily. This is what helps us see through all the garbage that's out there today, especially now. So being in relationship with God, being in prayer with God, helps you grow in that discernment and cut through deception. Being in Christ means that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And it becomes this beautiful marriage of Scripture and the Holy Spirit. Now we can either ignore that or we can be led by it, okay? It's your choice. I think a lot of um, times there's the counterfeit spirit that people give into and without even realising what they're giving into, and it's called compromise. We all do it. I've done it. Guys, don't make the same mistakes I did. Yes, I believed in God, but I didn't know him. And so I got easily led down a very dangerous pathway. Get to know Jesus, guys. You know how I know this to be true? Because I am a living testimony to that spiritual realm. I have seen it, and it's real. And unfortunately, I've got some dumb stories to tell but even though I was caught up in the new age and did some really stupid and dumb things God chose to stop me in my tracks and he physically healed me miraculously and everybody saw it and I had the total spiritual experience that I had been craving for When I surrendered my life to Jesus. And He allowed me to walk again without pain. He showed me how much He loved me and wanted a different life for me. So, in conclusion, I'm going to read a passage from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18:9, and it says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. Kind of pretty clear in scripture, eh? This is the stuff that I got involved with when I was younger and I had to come to a place of complete surrender and hand it all over to him and ask for his forgiveness. It was complete repentance. And I feel like John when I say, dear friends, beloved, I care about you guys a lot. I know all of you here. And I don't want you making the same mistakes that I did. It's just not worth it. And the end game of getting involved in this stuff is just not good. And it leads to the death of who you really are and destroys your true identity that God created you to be. God loves us so much that he inspired John to put this verse in his letter, this beautiful letter about love. This warning to this community over 2,000 years years ago is still a warning for us today. And God is doing it because he loves us. He loved these people, Len, and he loves us today. And he wants the best for you. And so do I. And so do all the pastors in this place. He doesn't want you to live a life of confusion, of uncertainty, of doubt, despair which leads to depression. Is the Holy Spirit saying something to you right now? Is there a a little stirring going on inside of you right now? And that includes you guys that are online too. What's he saying to you? We're going to sing a song now about surrendering. Giving over your whole life to Jesus and wanting to know him more. It's one of my favourites. It's an old song, but it's one of my favourites. Because he is the only one that can bring about that freedom from false spirits. He is the only one who can bring healing to your hurt soul. So if you can, sing this song with passion, with surrender and repentance. And then I'm going to come up and I'm going to pray for you all as we push back this darkness that threatens to overwhelm, okay? So let me pray first. God, we look to you tonight above the singing, above the song even, and above the world that surrounds us. And we let your name be lifted high. Jesus, we lift all that you Jesus, we lift it all that we are to you tonight with our brokenness, our bad choices, and we reach towards you, laying it all down. Help us lift up our arms up to you and surrender. Help us to be on our knees before you as we sing and hand it all to you. And guys, if you want to, honestly, there's no pressure. But if you want to, come up to the front as a sign of surrender. Kneel, stand, sit, raise your arms. Because this isn't about me. It isn't about others or anyone else sitting beside you or the people in the room with you at home. This is just between you and God. We're singing.